I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. My guest today is Corey Duncan, broker realtor of House Realty, H-A-U-S House, a real estate professional since 2007. Corey explains how our current recession is different from the Great Recession of 2008, lessons he learned developing a commercial building on Washington Avenue, and his favorite Waco neighborhoods. But first, it's the Business Review with C.J. Jackson. Fear-based marketing. I'm C.J. Jackson, and this is the Business Review. Successful marketing often uses human nature to sell a message or product. Meredith David, associate professor of marketing, studied COVID messaging to discover what encourages individuals to engage in preventative behaviors. So our model uh, predicts that it, it comes down to fear of COVID. So it's really the fear of COVID that's driving people to engage in preventive behaviors. And the reasoning behind that is that fear of COVID leads people to be more receptive for information related to COVID. And if they're more receptive, then they're more willing to go out and actually search for COVID-related information. David says from a marketing standpoint, fear messaging can be applied in other areas too, such as smartphone addictions and financial situations. Before people jump to conclusions and and bash the the use of fear as a marketing technique, it's actually very useful and effective in certain situations. For example, um, fear of bankruptcy could lead to a, a company or a manager engaging in more preventive behaviors. Now, there is a balance there, right? So you want a a moderate level of fear such that it just encourages people to be more receptive to information and to actually go and seek out the accurate information regarding the health preventive behaviors. So at the end of the day, it's that fear of COVID that's driving people to even seek out the information and learn about the preventive behaviors and then actually engage in those preventive behaviors. The Business Review is a production of Livingston & McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard during Morning Edition and All Things Considered, Thursdays on KWBU. I'm now joined in studio by Corey Duncan, broker-realtor of House Realty. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to dive into the real estate world. And of course, we know with this economy, things are kind of going up and down. People might be wondering what to do with their house or their commercial property. But I want our listeners to understand who you are and your background in the area. So tell us a little bit about your Waco history. Cool. So I was born here in Waco. My dad has taught uh, math at MCC for 55 years now. Whoa. 55 years. My mom's a CPA. She works here in Waco as well. So I went through Waco ISD, Mountain View, Lake Air, and Waco High. And uh, then I went to the University of Texas in Austin. And so uh, I was I lived in Austin for seven years, but always kind of with the goal of coming back to Waco. Came back to Waco, met my wife, came back to Waco, uh, got my MBA here and just started you know, or kept my real estate career going in Waco. How did you first get involved in real estate? So to, to really go back, I, I had a mentor here in Waco, Paul Meyer. He was a big businessman and, and donor to the university. Um, he really kind of guided me in the direction as I was going through high school into college. So that was, that was always my direction, always my fashion, fascination, always my interest. And so it just kind of 
built on, snowballed from starting getting my license in 2007. And um, that's so long ago now. But, uh, but, well, I heard there was a, a short recession that happened shortly after 2007. Short, so. just, a, just, a, just a great one, if you would, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's, that, that's great in the way that it molded this, like, if you can fight through that time, then you can do well during the good times, right, or even the normal times. Paul J. Meyer is known in the Waco area and much beyond Waco for the Meyer Foundation, the Meyer Center is downtown. What were some of the key learnings that you took from that period of mentorship with Paul? Definitely. So I had just the blessed opportunity to be have so much exposure to him. My mom was his uh, personal CPA for you know, thirty years. Um, but you know, some of the key lessons: determination. You know, um, staying on what you want, how you want, um, driving. You know, to to whatever goal you're you're looking to reach, crystallize those goals, make a plan, and get there. Right. Um, this this is it's hard for me to reiterate or, or re-speak the things, the lessons that he gave me because his were so clear that they sold, you know, three hundred million dollars worth of programs internationally. And I'm probably way under you know underscoring that. I think. You know, so he was like a motivational speaker, leadership coach, goal setting. That's kind right. Of thing? So he was. Um, he actually founded Success Motivation International, a company that eventually went public and sold programs uh, about both in the corporate world and the personal world. Um, wrote books and, and sold programs about you know, motivating individual or teams, and and that's really where how he was well known. Right. Um, he started in the insurance world, did incredible. Right. Millionaire. Uh, I believe by the time he was 23, which back in the 50s, you know, was, was huge, right? Um, so he took that and all those lessons and and directed that into a a business and and really made a huge impact on a lot of people. So you're living in Austin, finish up undergrad, 2007, you get your real estate license, and then the recession hits. Sure. What did the recession look like as a young real estate professional? Sure. So uh, scary is a good word, right? Um, slow. Especially when you're getting started, you don't know a ton of people. You know some other professionals, but it it can be difficult to ask, right? Ask for help. Um, but something I learned really early, I, I bought my first house, I believe, in 2010, 2011. And so something I learned really early is that in any market, whatever market it is, whatever the current state of the market is, you can. there's always opportunity, right? So when I purchased that house in Austin, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't great at renovating houses or, or even, you know, purchasing them at the, at the time, but finding the opportunity, um, going for it, making the purchase, being deliberate about it, it turned out extremely well. And I was able to sell that house and bring that money to Waco, buy two or three more. And, and the ball started rolling, as I said. Typically in larger markets, real estate professionals will need to work in one specific field. Sure. Oh, I do industrial. Oh, sure. I do residential. In Waco, there is the opportunity to have your hand in multiple honeypots at yep. the same time. You've done commercial work as well as residential. I know House Realty, your company, is focused on the residential customer. But when I moved here in 2015, I got connected with you because your wife, Kate Duncan, who was one of my earliest guests here on Downtown Depot, 
has her shop Wildland on the 700 block of Washington. And you had actually, unbeknownst to me, purchased that building and were helping her with the rehab of that. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So you're right. Uh, I want to kind of first hit on your first point is that Waco is unique from so many perspectives, but but specifically the opportunity to to take on a venture as a young entrepreneur or entrepreneur of any age um, and, and kind of breach those different segments, if you will. So the Washington Project specifically, um, I had been purchasing and transacting homes, you know, residences for myself and for other people for some time at, at that point. Um, and then the opportunity came up for us to buy every one-story building on the 700 block of Washington. Kate wanted a permanent store. She was leasing um, a, a spot in Austin. And so, you know, at the time, Washington was one way. The only tenants were the the tumbleweeds that would roll down the the block. There were no tenants. There, were, there was not a single tenant on the block, and so sure, it was a it was a risk. It was a gamble, but just like you said, I mean, there's there's both the opportunity and then there's the support, right? In Waco, a lot of people that are willing to help and get involved and and network with you. And so um, that project was great. Kate's store is doing great. Um, you know that there were four four buildings in, in that purchase. And so even though just like every project, especially going from one segment to another, going from residential to commercial, there were lessons to be learned, right? Timing and and trying to do everything yourself. But it, it turned out wonderful. It, it was it's great. It's a very cool block. It's two way. It's full. Got to Covas on the corner, got the Magnolia Hotel, you know, anchoring the other corner. So soon to be. So, um, man, it's it's night and day. Waco Escape Rooms is on that same strip. The Texas Music Cafe is there. Do you Gap, still yeah. own that building? Um, I don't. I actually, uh, just before COVID, um, we received a, an offer that we couldn't refuse, and and it was the right decision. Obviously, Kate is still there. We worked a, a super long-term lease. Wildland's still there. Um, worked a super long-term lease into the deal, and it worked for, for everybody. So just like anything, you know, any real estate investment purchase, you know, anything you own and want to sell, as long as you're deliberate about it, not under pressure, you can make the best decision in the time. And that's what we did. That strip of Washington Avenue really has become the commercial center of Washington. And as you mentioned, Tacova's really amazing anchor on one side, the future Magnolia Hotel on the other. I wonder from your perspective, what impact the conversion to a two-way street has had for those vendors. And I know you don't own the building anymore. And let's set aside the fact that for a while your street was cut up and people had access issues. But just in general, do you think that it's worth all the hassle that a building owner or a tenant had to go through to not have the access to now have a two-way street in front of them? Without a doubt. Um, I think that any forward-moving progress is just that. It's progress, right? Um, and, and there are going to be some costs, just like everything. Nothing comes for free. Um, but the the two way conversion, especially on Washington, you know, kind of Washington and Franklin, both, they're so worth it. They make so much sense. I mean, we had five lanes of one way traffic on Washington. Um, yes, you could park on either side, but it was confusing. And and again, back to this, like, I wouldn't call it piecemeal, but not a deliberate plan, or maybe it was in the 1960s, right? 
but it definitely didn't make sense now, especially given the development that was going on, that is going on, um, and the 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 that retail space, all those those tenants there on the block and, and up and down Washington. It's obviously they didn't just change the seven hundred block two way. Um, it's so worth it. It's something I really appreciate and and love about Waco and and kind of the the city leaders, we're all moving in the same direction, right? Um, if it makes enough sense, we're going to do it. Everybody's got to pay their dues, right? We've got to have some access issues for a while, but look around, that's that's everywhere. Um, but so very worth it. A- and that decision, just like any decision by the city leaders and, and the businesses that they involved in that decision was not overnight, right? It was a, a process that we were talking about as soon as we purchased the building. So, you know, it was it was a, a long time coming and then it was the process to get there and then we got there. So I think it it's great. I think it, there's a lot of people involved that should get credit for it, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's turned out great. For listeners who maybe don't understand the difference between a one-way and a two-way street practically, one-way streets entered the city planning lexicon shortly after World War II, as we entered into the Cold War, and city planners were afraid of nuclear bombs Mm. coming to our American cities. So they designed these streets to mimic highways. Mm. That's why you have five lanes of one-way traffic. And I mean, I remember being here on Washington Avenue 2015 and 16, you could screech down that thing. Without a doubt. Now that the street is designed to be two ways and the lanes are smaller, you are incentivized to drive more slowly. That's right. And because the cars drive more slowly and because there's traffic going both ways, there are twice as many people conceivably who can see wildland as they pass by. That's right. Or who feel comfortable walking along the sidewalk and popping into studio grocery. That stuff wasn't happening five years ago. So there's an economic benefit of slowing down the traffic because there's going to be more sales tax that generated from all of these stores. So it, it really is a... A significant uh, infrastructural decision that the city made there, and I'm grateful that they did. And, and I'm glad that at least Kate, with her wildland business, is still able to benefit from that. For sure. I, I don't want to gloss over how hard self-performing is, where sure. you buy a building, you tell all these tenants, hey, I can get you in at this date. I can put in a window here and a door there. And because you're a smart and capable guy, you probably overpromised and undelivered on some sure. things. Now that you've had a successful exit from the building itself, hopefully you can look back and reminisce a little bit. But Definitely. take our listeners into I don't know how to describe the moment. Is it is it terror? Is it fear? Is it um, a weird compulsive disorder? <laughs> uh, but but tell us a little bit as you're thinking about uh, being a self-performing developer there. And we're hearing from Corey Duncan of House Realty. So um, you're right. And all, all of those words encapsulate the the feeling in the moment. And, and especially in my situation where I was going from residential transactions and development to commercial, my first commercial project. And I just somehow decided I didn't want to pick some 2,000 square foot building and, and try my hand there. I wanted to go for 14,000 square foot feet at once and, and four different tenants, right? Um, so what is the feeling in the mix? Well, let, let's first, at the start, obviously, there's a lot of excitement and th- there's some validation with you know other tenants being excited about your product, the 
the developments in the paper and you're getting calls without having to put big signs up and pay a lot for marketing. We had some great businesses coming in and, and um, wanting be, to be a part of the project. And, and part of that excitement gets to, to roll in. And, and again, coming from the residential side, it's like, sure, I can do all this, right? I can do all this on the time frame, the timeline that I'm used to in residential. And so there, there were a lot of lessons. There were a lot of lessons. But also, there were so many times when, you know, it, it was teamwork. The, the tenants rightfully um, were, were anxious, but they understood. And we worked together and we got past that, that time of, of, okay, well, it's not quite done, but here's where we are. And, and just like anything, communication was key. Um, so what, what's the feeling that I think I, you go through the array of feelings, you go from the excitement and, and being way up on the roller coaster to the fear that maybe you can't, you know, finish at all. And, you know, um, uh, not just on time or by some certain deadline, you, you really, you know, there, there's always going to be this mix of emotions, especially when you do, you know, want to produce the product that you that the expectation that you set, right? Um, but again, just like anything, you get out in front of it with communication, you work together. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, right? And, and you move on. But um, luckily in that, in that scenario, we were fortunate to have great tenants and, and, and finish it up. What makes a commercial project so different from a residential project? Hmm. That's a like, great is, question. Is it the, there's more permitting with a commercial project sure. or you have multiple tenants, whereas there's only one homeowner? Sure, sure. Um, the scale is an obvious answer. Um, and plus, for that one specifically, it was all at once, right? Um, but in general, yes, more permitting, more process, um, different decisions in a way. Uh, also, with this specific project, we had tenants involved from the beginning. And so it wasn't like we were just building to a white box. We were trying to conform to their, you know, to their needs and their standards. So, that that was a huge difference. Now, obviously, there are a lot of little differences along the way. Size and scale are our main ones, but um, but it, there's a learning process, and so I had really learned the residential, and so I was in the middle of learning the the commercial project, you know, hands on. So that made a huge difference. Let's shift our focus to homes, sure, and the residential sector in Waco. Yeah. There's obviously the national economy that impacts home prices, and then there's what's happening on a state level with yep. property taxes, and then there's also the issue of inventory. Sure. Simply, like we know in the city of Waco, there's not a ton of new inventory. Most right. of the new housing stock is being built in Woodway and Lorena and Hewitt. Give our listeners an idea of your just your opinion of what's happening in housing right now on a national sure. level and how does that apply what's happening in Waco sure sure so the first thing I'm going to do is make a, a pretty bold statement right um, and that statement is that the real estate market is the same it's unchanged what I mean by that is it's the same as it's always been there's ebbs and flows right um, there are peaks and troughs and, and so we're in the middle uh, of of a transition right um, however with the real estate market being the same decisions and transactions they're about being deliberate right try to trying to fight the emotions and impulses finding somebody either doing your homework yourself really getting into it and getting to know what you're doing or finding somebody who does right it's finding a professional it's it's kind of funny where somebody will get a 
get a traffic ticket and hire the best attorney in town, right, to go fight that downtown. And then they uh, they want to sell their home by their by themselves, right? So um, finding yeah finding that professional who does this consistently, who knows this, lives and breathes this, makes a huge difference. Now, speaking to the housing market specifically, you know, with all the news that's going on, there there's there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of um, uncertainty, which I get, right? You open up the news and look at real estate news. And so people, people think, well, this isn't the time to buy, right? When the market has a lot of uncertainty, this isn't the time to buy because that's what they're reading in the news. But tell that to every successful real estate investor ever, right? I mean, this is the time to buy. At the same time, it's the, you know, for, for home sellers, making a deliberate decision if you're making a home selling decision right now, it's um, it, it's about okay. Are, are you going to hold off for more uncertainty? Maybe are you going to, you know, I don't I don't suggest in the same local market to just sell and and go rent with no plan. But if you have a plan and a strategy and you can be deliberate about it, I think that's the the move. So, you know, what is the market like? Sure, it's changing. The prices are are slowing down, but but the market itself is not really slowing to a halt. There's still transactions going on consistently. Trust me, that you know my days and weeks are are staying busy. Right, um, the inventory is still low on a national basis. Um, the co- what's considered an equal market between buyers and sellers is four to six months inventory. I think we're at two point four right now, so we still have a low inventory. Um, so that goes to the benefit of the sellers. I really think that with anybody entering the market or, or getting into the market, looking to make a move, it's about being, again, deliberate. We are technically in a recession right now, sure. having had more than two quarters of consecutive negative GDP growth. This recession that we're in feels different than 2008, sure. and maybe it's because a lot of it was propped up by COVID and and financial programs that were created as a result of that. I wonder from a real estate perspective, how you see our current period and do you view it as a recession? And are there any similarities between what was happening in 2008 when you first came into the real estate business? So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to argue facts, right? Economically, I worked with Ray Perryman for a few years. So it's hard to, when you go by the definition of a re- recession, it's hard to to argue that fact. However, do I see it pessimistically? No, I don't. I, again, I see it like a normal change in the market and, and there being those strategic moves to make, just like in every market at any point in time, right? So, you know, back to your question, do I, do I see it similar to the Great Recession of 2008, even through 2011? I don't. That really had a fundamental flaw in the market, Right, really worldwide, these mortgage-backed securities and all these pass-through mortgages, where people were underwriting mortgages that just never should have been, and 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 there were a lot of um, policies and and laws that were changed to make sure that that doesn't happen again. This, you know, this this current market is a re- result of a few factors, but I think everybody knew that we couldn't have 2022 every single year. We couldn't have 20% growth every single year. Um, again, just like any real estate market. It is the growth is positive linear over time, 
right? So these ebbs and flows are just that. They're ebbs and flows. Um, and, and so hitting that at any point in time, you know, if you're if you're looking for this week, this month, even, you know, this quarter, it, it may look a little different, even grim, right? But it that's not the case. Um, so it, it is very different this time around than the 2008 market because I was right in the middle of that one too. Again, it goes down to the, goes back to the reasoning behind it, you know. As a real estate professional, you see our housing differently than I do when I'm driving down a street. I wonder, what are some of your favorite neighborhoods in Waco? Mm. Or are there any pockets that you sense that there's more coming or, you know, this is not, of course, investment advice, but (laughs) uh, I just, I I wonder from your perspective, like, are there, is there anything interesting that's happening in neighborhood? You know, there's so much transition going on in Waco um, that it's hard for me to list out every single neighborhood that I love and and all the pockets that I love. Um, Everything happening in East Waco is just beyond, uh, you know, exciting and positive the all of these opportunities in every you know Waco proper market. There are these pockets and little um, uh, little growths of development and renovation and change and all of those things as a whole. You know, both individually and, and as a whole are super exciting. So um, that that's a a pretty broad question. Are there any specific markets that I um, that I love or, or pockets that I love. Sure. Right. Uh, I live in Cameron park. And, and so I like all the things going on kind of the, the kind of on the outer rim of Cameron park, but there's so much development and, and um, growth and change going on in so many different markets uh, you know, obviously the downtown market and, and over in the silo market, but even, you know, the, the LaSalle and, and Oakwood market, I mean, Mountain View, um, Brooke Avenue, every, everywhere. There's so much going on, so many little pockets out there. It's like get in your car and go drive it, right? Get on the street, see what's going on. I think um, a house, an area, a neighborhood it, it speaks to the individual, right? So there's a lot of personality and, and personality differences in these, in these little pocket neighborhoods. We had mentioned earlier that a lot of the new housing stock is coming from these communities outside of Waco. Is there anything that the city of Waco could or should be doing programmatically to incentivize new housing stock being built in the city? Yeah, I think that um, anytime there's there's things that municipalities can be doing, right? Um, any incentive that makes it uh, smarter for both the the developer, right, and the end user, which a lot of times. Um, well, sometimes it's first-time home buyers, but just home buyers in general. Any of those type of programs that can be done on a city level or a municipal level benefit development. Um, in real estate, we call this infill, right? We are filling in the spaces where um, you know there may be an established neighborhood and the opportunity to develop and grow a house in that neighborhood. I think that's you know a lot of opportunity um, here, and, and the city can recognize that and, and create programs accordingly. Corey Duncan is the owner and broker of House Realty. If people want to connect with you or to connect with House, how can they do so? Yeah, so my first phone number is 254-498-6695 or 254-900-3800. 
But um, easiest maybe to, to follow me on Instagram at house, that's H-A-U-S, realty.co. And you're going to see those little house realty signs on every street corner in Waco. <laughs> you have some crack team who has been out at all hours of the day advertising for the business. So you can't miss Corey Duncan. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Downtown Depot and sharing some of your insights about the real estate market. For sure, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Corey Duncan of House Realty and to you for tuning into episode 149 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on Instagram and Facebook at Waco Business News and join me back here for episode 150 of Downtown Depot on the third Friday of May for another conversation with a small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.